Welcome to the Outdoor Executive Dad Podcast, a show for parks and conservation professionals where we discuss how to be better leaders at our jobs, in our homes, and in our communities. We have one world to leave behind to the next generation. Let's make it a good one. Today I'm talking with Matt Cosgrove and Dan Cohen, the legislative team for the County Conservation Directors Association, and we discuss the legislative process and how we as conservation professionals might do a better job of influencing legislation in the state of Iowa. So enjoy our discussion today and I hope you learned something. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, looking forward to this discussion. It's obviously a timely discussion right now since we're in the thick of the legislative process. Uh, we're recording this here on the 23rd of February. Um, all sorts of stuff going on with the legislature, but uh, wanted to kind of dig into the legislative process as far as how we see it from the world of, of conservation. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, uh, let's get some background on you guys. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Give me some, some background on uh, who you are, how long you've been doing this, and, and how long you've been serving on uh, legislative committees and, and what those committees have been. Um, I have been involved in county conservation for 36 years now. Uh, most of that time as the executive director for Buchanan County Conservation Board. Um, I've also been involved legislatively Oh, going back uh, probably before I was on the ISAC board, um, probably the last 15 years or so, on and off, uh, and been serving on the on the legislative committee in particular uh, over the last eight years, or I believe. Um, but um, have been involved legislatively um, for my career, uh, writing editorials and being involved. And also, I just have a background of being engaged with my local legislators and in elections and in other other parts of the legislative realm. So that's kind of a bit of my background legislatively. All right. Matt, how about you? Uh, Matt Cosgrove, Conservation Director for Webster County. I've been in the county conservation system for 26 years. Uh, eight of that as a park ranger and the remainder as the director. I have been serving on the uh, legislative committee for CCDA for um, somewhere around the last 10 years. Seems like a lot longer than that. Um, and then also have been serving on the state uh, association of county boards, Iowa State Association of Counties, uh, as the as the representative there. So that's kind of I think how I got involved in the process here. And uh, you know it's it's evolved through the years, and I imagine we'll talk a little bit about that as we move forward. Certainly. Yeah, actually, I'll just throw in that Matt and I tag-teamed on ISAC board on the Iowa State <laughs> Association of Counties boards. Uh, so he, I was on for about six or seven years and then uh, passed the torch to Matt, and then Matt's been on for um, a period of time, too. And like you had mentioned in your introduction, um, it's good to continue that passing that torch and bringing on the next people that will be getting involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's... As we were talking earlier, um, there's a, a huge generational turnover within our industry that we're seeing, and, and it's going to be important for us as the up-and-coming leaders uh, to step into these roles, and, and uh, that's why I'm really excited to, to sit down and talk with you guys. So looking back over 
your experiences with within the legislative committees that you've been on um, or the involvement that you've had in any capacity legislatively. Uh, what are some of the more memorable experiences or just anything that, that sticks out to you that, you know, maybe was impactful or maybe was something that, you know, you're like, oh, I, I didn't really think that that's how this worked or, or whatever. Any, any things that, that stand out that would be good for us up and coming leaders to know about? I think uh, one one thing that I that really struck me when I started working with elected officials at the local level, at the county level, was how pragmatic these types of um, of uh, of officials are. Um, the the locals, I mean, I couldn't tell you of the people sitting on the, the ISAC board which ones were Democrats or which ones were Republicans. They were all there to solve problems, and I, I noticed that in the local level in our county. Um, there's not a lot of ideology involved. It's more about being pragmatic and getting getting things done. Um, it's when you get to the state level, I think, where you get a lot more ideology um, and a lot more of the raw politics that we're all used to. Um, and I would also, I guess, that the biggest, uh, by far the biggest, uh, mem most memorable legislative um, outcome that I, I was involved in was the passage of the legislation that allowed the vote of Iowans to create the, the, the trust fund, the Natural Resources and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund. That was a process that started, uh, it was a four-year process getting to the point of discussion to actually getting through the legislature with a bill that got nearly unanimous support. It had to go through two different sessions of the legislature to get put on the um, put up for the vote for the people of Iowa, and so uh, that whole process was quite enlightening, and also was a very positive because it ended up passing through a vote of the people with supermajority super um, support. Um, so that that was probably the high point. Um, right along with that, though, has been the constant battle to get the trust fund funded which has not um, been, been a high point. It's been uh, it's something that uh, I think initially when we saw that supermajority vote and all the interest in polling uh, showing support of Iowans, uh, many of us thought that uh, the, the simple uh, fractional tax increase would happen and we'd get the trust funded, but now we're on year 12 and uh, that's not happened. So some ups and downs there to report, I guess. Yeah, Matt? Yeah, and I would just take off of that and say um, totally agree with the stuff that Dan said. Um, I think, you know, most boards and commissions that we serve on throughout our careers, they all evolve, and it seems like it takes about that first two to three, sometimes even five years to kind of really figure out what is the purpose uh, and the inner workings of those things. And then uh, once you have that, then you can spend the next hopefully five to ten years making a difference um, with the tools that you learned in that first for in that first part. Um, I think there's also, um, you know, as Dan mentioned, the most memorable, memorable parts over the last handful of years has obviously been the constitutional amendment for Iowa's Natural Resource and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund. That was a good day. And uh, like Dan said, you know, it's been, here we are still 12 years and we've probably spent the bulk of our uh, at least director careers, if not our, our careers in conservation, uh, you know, working toward this goal, and, and hopefully we can get across the finish line here shortly. 
I think another uh, one of the things that was interesting along the way is, like I said, the process has evolved over the years. Um, no legislative session has been the same. Um, they're all a little bit different, a um, little bit different approaches, um, different you know leaders and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think one of the things that was uh, you know helped us evolve was we. I remember a director's retreat back in Polk County where we brought in a legislative committee that was made up of senators and representatives, um, you know, and ask questions related to the trust fund and, and REAP and a handful of things that uh, impact the work that we do. Um, and, and I think that was a, a good turning point for us legislatively and, and the growth in the County Conservation Directors Association, um, you know, moving their legislative game up a few notches. So uh, like Dan mentioned, too, you know, going from local politics to the state level or, you know, even eventually national level, you know, it seems like there's there's more of a focus on politics uh, than policy. So most of the work that I would say we've done over the last 10 years has been focused on policy, um, and we try to try to stay in that lane. So it's uh, it's gotten more political, I would say, over the 10 years. Um, there's not nearly as much work across the aisle as there used to be, and that makes it a struggle for for getting a lot of things accomplished. So constant change. That's what I can tell you about the legislative process. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think too that talk about memorable occurrences. Um, some of the defense we've had to play has been very memorable too. And for example, in 2019, there was a House bill that was introduced that would have uh, made it basically impossible to purchase public land, and uh, having to amass people quickly and uh, play defense just not to lose what is already so rare in Iowa um, was was quite a challenge and very memorable. And unfortunately, we're seeing a, uh, another, this time in the Senate, a bill introduced which would, again, really attack uh, public lands in Iowa and basically our ability to provide the services and, and provide natural resources and outdoor recreation to Iowans. So uh, uh, sometimes some of those memorable things aren't just the good things, but also just uh, big defenses, and um, it, it's really good to, a good feeling when you can stop a bad bill, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I, I, I do remember that. That was uh, that was cool, going up there to the Capitol during that uh, committee hearing they had, whatever that was, back in 19, with that really awful public lands bill and just seeing the massive turnout. That was a pretty good feeling to see that much support for public lands and, you know, and it wasn't all just us conservation employees. It was people from all walks of life. That, that was really cool. I've never seen a crowd like that up there. So you mentioned that um, at the local level, party isn't so important, and but it, it sure seems to become that way at the state level. What do you attribute that to? Well, I think we're seeing that across the board. There's just such a partisan split, you know, uh, right now that – Everything is seen through a political lens or an ideological lens, um, and it makes it really difficult, and it makes it more extreme, too, I think. So some of the things that we see come up in the legislature, you know, it, it never would have probably happened in the past because it, the, the other side of the aisle would be at least be considered, and you wouldn't have such big swings in ideology and extreme policies being brought forth. Um, I think that's when Matt mentioned that 
it seems to get more and more political. I think it's part of this this ideological divide, um, and it's almost like it's not even at some at some point it seems like the ideology isn't really about something other than not liking the other side. The ideology is we're just against right. them, uh, and so it, it makes any kind of practical solutions really difficult. Um, and that's why uh, I think we're fortunate to work at the local level where um, elected officials don't have that luxury. <laughs> they, they have to get things done, so they can't just sit, sit back and spout ideology, and, and uh, they have to actually get to work and roll up their sleeves and, and, uh, and do what they need to do. So. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think one of the things that's evolved over the year too that's made it a little more made things a little more political is, you know, our access to information. Um, you know, with social media and all the uh, you know, access that we have through the internet. And then um, you know, trying to decipher whether that information is real information and whether it's fact or whether it's fake news, um, you know, can be a challenge and I think that has created some of this divide um and definitely uh you know Put people against each other on on certain issues, and I think the other thing that's that that the media tends to do is focus on these high profile issues um, that maybe there's a lot of good work being done and there is some cooperation, but you don't hear about that. you hear about the you know the divisive issues that that uh, you know cause these divides and that sort of thing so I, I think a lot of it's our are just our access to so much information nowadays mm. yeah that's probably true. Yeah, right. It's, it's actually one of the things that's on my list. Um, uh, I want to actually sit down with some past legislators and and find out because you know it seems to me like these are the same people. I mean, they're just people from our community. You know, I mean, they could be a county supervisor, and the politics at that level is a particular way. And Dan, I agree with you. It's it's pragmatic. You know, I look at my supervisors, and and you could, you know, ideology doesn't really apply and uh you know you could almost just vote non-party um or they could run non-party in fact my last one did uh the, the most recent one that got elected ran as an independent um and and swept the vote but these very same people from our communities then go on to a, a state level position whether it's in the house or the senate and then all of a sudden party is a big, big thing. And and maybe it's because they have to be heavily affiliated even to just get into one of those positions. But I just, they're the same people, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just business people or retirees from our local communities. And then it seems like once they get up there, the whole way of thinking seems to change collectively. And then I just, I, I don't know why that is. And, and I don't know if we're better for it, but that's neither here nor there. I want to uh, kind of stick to the process uh, with this. Like you said, you're right. That is a whole other topic I'll cover sometime in the future. But um, <laughs> so let's back up and dig into the nuts and bolts of how the process works. Um, within the world of county conservation, at least, we do have a kind of a legislative process that we follow. Um, and so I want to know how that works. You know, how do we go about uh, developing our, our list of priorities and how we tell the state what's in most important to us as a parks and conservation industry. So kind of walk me through how that process works. Matt, why don't you start with that one? 
I sure will. And, and like I said, the process has really kind of evolved over the years. It, it's changed a fair amount and continues to change, which is a good thing. But I think, um, at least from the County Conservation Directors Association, um, you know, at one time we were kind of doing our thing legislatively, um, and the um, Iowa's County Conservation System, their board of directors was doing something. Uh, at some point we combined those two processes, and then we start working through not only the Iowa State Association of Counties, but also the, the legislative team that the state board hires. So um, I think it gives us a variety of avenues um, to, to work forward. The, the Iowa State Association of Counties is important um, because it carries all the county messages, I think, and, and having our information in there and really having the Natural Resource and Trust Fund, uh, Natural Resource and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund as part of one of the priorities at the county level, uh, state association county level, has been a good thing for us, um, you know, because they're pushing important issues like mental health and education and tax reform and, and all the big topic issues. So to have our issues, uh, you know, in the fight with those bigger um, issues that are constant at the state house um, are important. Uh, but having that process to work through on the, on the state board side too, with their legislative team tracking, you know, bills that are important to us, and like Dan referred to, playing a lot of defense. Um, but really, our process kind of starts with the state association of counties, and uh, we work through their legislative planning committee. Um, so we put out a request form for. Um, any issues, whether they're big or small, could be small technical bill changes, that sort of thing. We do that right after the session. So um, the session is wrapped up. There's typically a legislative review that's put on by uh, ISAC. Um, from there, then, we put out a request form for potential topics for the next legislative session. So it really is kind of a year-long process. From there, then, Dan and I work with that legislative planning committee uh, at the state level, and um, we work with all of the affiliates to put together a proposal for um, for all of the association members to vote on and eventually get approved by the, the state board, um, the State Association of Counties Board. But then that creates the you know legislative package for the year with priorities, policy statements, and legislative objectives. Um, and then from there, we you know we just kind of work through the process. Dan and I put together then a legislative package based on that information that we kind of use year to year with a little bit of changing from here to there. But like I said, you know I think we've spent the bulk of our careers, you know, um, asking for the continued funding of REAP and the value that that program has provided for county conservation boards and the the other things that it's provided across the state, uh, other great funding sources and, and grant programs. Um, but then really that heavy focus on Iowa's Natural Resource and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund, you know, first getting it, fun first getting it uh, approved to be a constitutionally, uh, constitutional amendment, and then from there uh, the continued fight to, to try to provide some funding from there. So um, as Dan mentioned, then we, we spend a lot of time, um, you know, defending bills through the Legislative Planning Committee. Um, every year bills come up, you know, whether it's the bottle bill, whether it's the forest reserve, um, those sort of things have all been uh, brought up throughout the year, and, and it's reacting to those during the session and coming up with ways that those – telling our local stories on how they, how those bills would impact us locally. Yeah, and, and I'd, I'll just show, too, that in addition to working with ISAC on, on the broader legislative packet, um, we also have a, uh, a more narrowed uh, or, or I should say county conservation-specific package that has uh, some things that – aren't really going to be brought up by the whole county's association because they don't apply to to uh, all the other departments in county government, but that are more specific just to county conservation. So we have a separate document 
that uh, we can use when talking to legislators about what's important to county conservation uh, directors and, and boards uh, in addition to the, the more broad one. Mm -hmm. um, I would just add that one of the most uh, – oh, sorry, Dan. No, I got go ahead, I, I would just um, um, add there that, you know, one of the most eye-opening experiences, I think, was starting to work in the legislative process – was realizing that all of the issues that legislators face in, in a given year, and you know, are the issues are important to someone, and, and somebody is pushing issues on mental health, and somebody's pushing issues on tax reform and education, and all those issues are important to people and groups. Um, just as we kind of tunnel vision and think ours is the most important, every group or every individual thinks that. So legislators, you know, obviously have a lot of information that's coming at them, especially during the legislative session. So, you know, the more of those conversations we can have outside of the session, um, I think is really valuable. Process, I would say, too, is what, what people do back home with that information. Um, so uh, when, once, once we know where we stand on an issue, that issue needs to be communicated, um, and that can be done with, you know, at the, at the local level with, with your local uh, representatives and senators at the state level. Um, and um, it can also be done with uh, the broader committees that are formed to look at bills. And so part of the process, too, I believe, is, is to get local uh, conservation folk uh, comfortable with the issues, knowledgeable about the issues, have the tools that they need to have, and then feel comfortable enough to have those conversations. Um, one thing that I like to do is uh, each year put together a, a, a packet. Um, I used to always even do a paper um, packet of information about our issues, put them in a hanging file folder, and have them all ready for a legislator and meet with them and talk through them and give them that. Um, and then they have that resource. Uh, in the digital age, um, that can also be done digitally, obviously. Um, but it, I guess it, it, just to back up again, um, I think it's good for conservation professionals and others in the who have an interest in conservation to go through the whole process and get themselves really versed in an issue and comfortable with, with speaking about it. So the, the process really starts at, at the local level um, with that request for issues and topics. You know, we've all got an opportunity to, to weigh in on, on what's important to us, you know, here at home. And then that kind of translates upwards uh, to, um, uh, you know, translating into policy statements, I guess. Is that, is that a good summary of how that works? Yes. Uh, there, there's three different levels, so depending on what, well, I guess the first thing that people should re be thinking about if they're going to suggest some some legislative action is it needs to be something that can be fixed legislatively. So uh, it, it sounds like it, it's obvious, but uh, it can't be something that, you know, there's really no law that can be written or no mechanism for fixing the problem then it's not probably a legislative issue. It might be an issue that you need to work with at home um, or, you know, work with, with some people. But that's important to think about. What, what is the actual legislative fix? And then um, we kind of alluded to it, but there's three different tiers of, of what we want to do with a legislative idea. One is a policy statement, which means that 
Uh, we're not looking at crafting any actual bill or language, but we are looking at mainly playing defense and, and having a statement out there that if something comes up, we already know where we stand on it with a policy statement. The second tier is kind of is an objective, and that's where we want to actually go out and make sure some legislative action happens, whether it's forming a bill or working with others or working with an ISAC. But we have an objective we want to see that we want to be proactive on and get done. And then the third within ISAC is the priorities. So there's lots and lots of objectives, and uh, let the, the, the people that work for ISAC the, the lobbyists and even even our lobbyists, they can't do everything out there. So if we have to concentrate on the top two, three, four things, what are they? And so those become priorities. So th those are the different tiers in the system that we work within. And usually so, the legislative um, ideas, usually they have some sort of a broad reaching. You know, they, they impact everybody in the state. It's not really a specific... Um, you know, narrowed down topic. Usually, if we're if we're talking legislative action, it typically if impacts everyone in some in some way. So it's larger scale things. But then again, it can also be small technical changes to bills. But then again, that would have a vast, you know, it would affect a vast group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, quick summary then. So we, the policy statement would is, is essentially you know positioning us. This is this is where we stand on this particular topic um objective is all of the things we want to see action on but then priority um are those few objectives that uh we really want to see action on and we're willing to put resources behind to make happen that'd be a good summary of that perfect very good okay and and on that topic of putting resources behind things um we do work with lobbyists uh explain to me what they do and why we use them and maybe along those lines we could delve into uh, the difference between lobbying and advocacy and where we as public employees uh, need to, to watch where that line is drawn. I guess mm -hmm. uh, we, we've got lobbyists that both work for the Iowa County Conservation System and, and through ISAC. Um, and also through um, the Iowa um, um, Waters and Lands Legacy I Will uh, program. Um, these are usually, except for the ISAC lobbyists, they, they're lobbyists that they're working on many issues at the Capitol, and they work for us as one of many clients. But they're there to, to really be on the Hill every day, um, playing defense, playing offense, talking with legislators, getting our message across, um, and pushing for specific legislation and asking legislators to vote in a certain way. Um, that's a little bit different than what we do back home in that most of our efforts at advocacy are, are more in the realm of education where we want to inform people about um, what's important locally in our conservation system or statewide through our county conservation systems. We can talk about local, about legislation that's being introduced and, and talk about how it would impact us. That is still education, right? So being able to let, let people know how a certain bill will, will impact maybe their ability to, 
use natural resources and outdoor recreation areas for to pursue conservation or to see that their own property and their lands um, retain their conservation values. Um, there's nothing wrong with Thume having those conversations and educating people about that. <clears throat> we also can educate people about how they can get involved with their legislators. Um, that's basic civics, right? So that's, that's something that we've taught people for, for decades. So uh, talking with locals about, you know, this is the issue, this is how it would affect us locally, this is how we think you might be affected by it. And, you know, if you're interested to in getting involved, these are the people you can contact. I think that's something that, again, conservation people should feel comfortable to do. Well, Matt, you got more to add to that? No, that was a good summary. I think we're just fortunate in the fact that we have both the Iowa State Association of Counties lobbyists, Jamie Cashman, Lucas Beankin, do a great job of, you know, keeping us informed of, of bills that pop up during the session. But then, um, you know, like right now, when when the Iowa Natural Resource and Outdoor Recreation Trust Fund is one of their priorities, you know, they actually schedule meter, meetings with the governor's staff and leadership um, and talk about, you know, their their main priority topics. So that's important to have when we're when we're a main priority item. Um, and then also the Iowa County Conservation System and Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation, um, you know, work together with Craig Patterson and Amy Campbell to, you know, do the same thing, keep us updated on what's going on, where bills are at, where we may need some action and that sort of thing. So it's great that we've got a couple different options and, and more than one set of eyes down there um, doing a great job for us to keep us informed because sometimes things move fast, like you saw last week with the the funnel coming. So uh, bills can move through committees and subcommittees relatively quickly. Um, I can't understate or can't overstate the importance of really knowing your legislators on a personal level um, and being uh, a resource for them. So, um, you know, like we talked outside of the session, um, you know, having a meeting with them, kind of explaining what you're doing, your uh, the ins and outs of your program, um, where state resources are needed and, and used to, to maybe supplement some of the work that you do, especially through grant programs. Um, and just being that resource for them, if something comes up during the session, uh, make sure they have your cell phone, they can text you if it's during a meeting, they can text you and get a quick response, um, just kind of an off-the-cuff thing. So I think the beauty of the legislative process through county conservation boards um, is we all, you know, in 99 counties, we all have our local stories. So we can tell our legislators our story. So that's the important thing, I think, you know, when it when it relates specifically to the things that we do and they know the impact of their voters um, at a local level, that's where I think we provide some real value in the legislative process. So that kind of leads me into one of the other questions I want to ask is, is where are the best points of influence uh, either during or outside of the legislative session? You know, once we know what our priorities are through this, you know, legislative policies, uh, priority setting process that we follow, um, yeah, I get the impression that it's knowing your your legislators locally. Um, what would be your recommendations for developing that, or if there are other points of influence that we could be exerting? What are those? Well, I would just say we do the same thing that we do with uh, when we get a new conservation board member or when we get a new supervisor is we try to set up a meeting with a new legislator and kind of explain to them our program, you know, the the things that we do, the services we offer, again, how state resources are used to, to complement the, the local and county resources that we provide. Um, I'm fortunate that I grew up in the county that I uh, continue to work in, and so I have a lot of those connections and know a lot of those people. 
Um, if you don't have that, I think it gets to be a little harder, but you really need to reach out and make that effort to make those contacts when you get a new legislator. You know, the important thing is, is you're going to have some that you get along with great and they see, uh, they see things through your lens. There's going to be others that um, no matter what you do, um, you're never going to change their mind and they're just not going to agree with your way of thinking. The important thing is figuring out how to work with both of those sets of people. So you still need to provide them with the information. You still need to be a resource. Um, you still need to be advocating for what we do. And knowing the fact that it might be going in one ear and out the other, um, they're still getting the information. Um, and, and they still are responsible to the local citizens uh, you know, that elected them. So you just got to kind of work the, with what you have. I, I think another thing that really helps us in county conservation is our outreach and naturalist programs. Um, it's, it's kind of fun to see, you know, uh, people that you've had through camps and been involved in your programs and been out in your parks, um, that they get to the level where they're, they're running for office or they, they become a legislator. And they, again, um, as Matt was alluding to, they, don't, they might have a different ideology or they might, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, they might get to the Capitol and find out they got to play the game. But at least they know you, they, they've got an understanding, they appreciate all the experiences that they've had in your parks and growing up in those areas. And uh, at least, you know, there's, there's some connection there. And I've had some really good outcomes with people that probably have a very different ideology um, but they, they certainly had um, were able to be helpful and actually did things for us legislatively because of that relationship they had back home. Um, so I think uh, our, our efforts at outreach and education uh, affect our communities in many, many, many ways, and one of those ways is in the future policymakers that come from our areas. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I've, I've heard that before in various different iterations. Um, I had a chat with um, the folks from Polk County. They just passed a second uh, local bond and with like 80-something percent of the vote is insane. And one of the things they said is that their environmental education programs and the stuff they do through their nature center, that's, that is their first point of contact with so many people. And, and that is a lot of people's first introduction to county conservation and all the stuff that we do. And you know, they're just they're reiterating how important that is, and, and I've heard that from other counties as well. And um, so that's that's definitely, uh, and and we certainly um, corner the market on that one uh, as county conservation. We we have more nature centers than any organization out there, so we certainly do have a, a huge reach. My my question is, because uh, I was in this position, uh, doesn't seem like that long ago now. You know, let's say you're a, a rather new in your career um i could see how it would be a bit intimidating to think i can just call a state legislator and say hey come do a tour of my parks um what uh what recommendations do you have for you know maybe somebody that's uh, new to the industry or, or or new to the legislative side of it maybe they've been in the industry for a long time but uh want to get more involved in this legislative side of it but there's a bit of that intimidation factor. I mean, to, you know, call the, maybe the, the chair of the, the whatever committee or the speaker of the house is, happens to be the one in your district. That's, that seems to be uh, uh, a bit intimidating. Just, you know, pick up the phone and say, Hey, come, come do a ride along with me. Um, any, 
any tips or suggestions for, for those type of folks that, that want to get more involved or somehow exert more influence? I would completely agree. I, I think it can be an intimidating process, and, and I think the way to do it is if you don't have those connections is you find somebody that does have those connections, whether it's a conservation board member or whether it's a, su a supervisor that you get along with, and let them kind of make the initial reach out and maybe connect you to. Um, I think that's been a, a valuable tool um, in helping people get connected. So I think that can be one avenue that you'd you know, go go through the process. The other thing is, you know, um, Tom has talked for years about what's your event, um, you know, and it's maybe not specific to one-on-one -on -one with a legislator, but you're inviting all of your legislators and maybe even some of your economic development folks and, and maybe city council people um, to an event once a year to talk about, you know, what you do and why county conservation matters. And I think a lot of times we get hung up on, especially in the legislative process, with uh, always requesting what we want and putting out there what we want, and we forget to tell the story of what we provide, and especially through the economic development side of things, the tourism side of things, um, jobs, you know, workforce retention and recruitment. That story needs to be told just as much or more than what we want. I would agree um, as far as the messaging especially. Um, we need to do a better job of talking about benefits to Iowans, not benefits to ourselves, not what we want for our county conservation department, not what we want um, for dollars, uh, not how we want things divvied up, but we need to be able to message to the legislators that we want things that are going to benefit Iowans and maybe in particular Iowans in their district <laughs> um, and, and be able to talk about the value of clean water and, and the value of natural places and the economic development aspects and the tourism aspects and the public health aspects and that's really where we need to do a better job I believe um, and uh, and I think um, you know also with our getting our public to, to, to really enunciate that um, as far as those first contacts, too, uh, maybe it would be less intimidating if you don't think of it so much as that you're contacting your, you know, a legislator with your agenda, but think about it more as, you know, this is an education program, and we're just, we're just going to sit down, and um, you could do a, an event or even just, you know, just give them a call and say that, an, introduct, an introduction, and and uh, that you would like to educate them a bit about you know, what you're doing and how you're benefiting the people in their community. Um, I, uh, I can understand it could be a little intimidating, but uh, just think about it more as a person talking to a person, I guess, and educating a person than, it, than um, the position, if it's possible. The important message is, like Dan said, is you know you're the expert in your field, so you're you're not trying to you know go down and and talk to them about mental health or tax reform or any of those sorts of things. You're talking to them about how you know specific legislation impacts you or or what programs you provide for the the citizens in your community and and how the state and the county can partner together to improve that process. So, I mean, you're the expert in the field, so you shouldn't be intimidated about the topics for sure because you're just again reaching out to be that resource. Become educated on the issues. That, that I think that'll take some of the intimidation away if if you really take the time to understand something so that you feel knowledgeable about it. Yeah, I remember when I was first getting involved in the legislative process, um you know, I, I felt that 
kind of intimidation of, geez, you know, these guys are legislators, they're elected leaders and stuff. And, and, but at, at some point I came to the realization that, you know, they're just community people just like I am. And, you know, when you really think about it, we are, I mean, as, as county conservation directors and even if you expand it out to all county conservation employees, we're a pretty elite group. I mean, there's not very many of us and, and, you know, there's fewer directors than there are legislators for that matter. And so in that respect, we, we do kind of hold a, a high position. I mean, we are the face of, of conservation in our, in our counties. And, and so, you know, don't, I had to come to the realization that not sell myself short that, you know, I, I am a rather important part of the community here. And, you know, it uh, dawned on me when uh, one of my senators at the time, um, he had previously been a school board member here locally, but I had, uh, I bought my first truck from him. And so I had that kind of connection. And, and the first time I, I got to meet with him at a lobby day, I brought that up and he remembered it. And, um, and there's always, there's always that connection in there somewhere. And I think the big thing to keep in mind is that, you know, they're just people too. They, they put their shoes on one foot at a time and just like we do. And, and, um, you know, maybe they, they hold a higher position as far as, you know, being there at the state house, but the reality is we put them there. And so, um, it, it, it is incumbent upon them to, to kind of hear our story. And, and I think, you know, showing what we do around here, uh, in our local communities is, is critical. And I know I've had legislators and supervisors, you know, really appreciate, uh, that I took the time to do that. And I've heard that in other counties too. It gives them a very different perspective. You know, it, just because they hold that position doesn't mean they, they're all knowing, obviously. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys completely. If, if, uh, anybody out there, you know, feels intimidated by that, just figure out how to, how to bridge that gap. And then once you, once you get to talking to them, I think you'll find that they're just human too. I'm, one more thing I would add is there, there has been a surveys done before, and I don't have the ability to quote them right now, but um, it looked at where pe who people trust in the conservation field for their information. And uh, county conservation and county naturalists were at the top, mm -hmm. um, higher than the DNR, higher than the media, higher than uh, political figures. Um, so when you're thinking about making that call, realize that being part of county conservation, you probably have a higher standing as far as being a trusted source for information to begin with, and that might help you also not feel as intimidated. Yeah, very good point. So I'll kind of start wrapping this up. Um, my, my last kind of big question here is, is if we could get all the parks and conservation professionals in the state to do just one thing to move legislative legislation forward or to stop the bad legislation, I guess, or to impact uh, legislation in the, in the state, uh, what would that one thing be? We could do just one, one simple thing. What do you think? I would go back to, um, you know, making that personal connection, reaching out, making sure that you are a resource for them, um, through the process, just uh, having that relationship built um, outside of the session and uh, in being the resource professional for them. I think the other important thing to remember is, you know, from the conversation earlier is, is all legislators, you know, mean well. They go to the state house um, wanting to make Iowa a great place just like we are. 
Um, they get a lot of uh, issues thrown at them in a very short time and have to make some important decisions. The important thing is, is you know, again, we're not always going to agree, but if you can respect their, uh, you know, their opinion, and they can respect our opinion, um, that'll go a long way and, and help you continue to build those relationships rather than just saying, well, that person's not going to listen to me, I'm not going to bother. Um, I think it's important to, to be that resource regardless of whether um, you know, they agree with you or not. You still need to be that resource. Yeah, that's a, t- that's a tough one to beat. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I went first, Dan. <laughs> Good number one. Um, I guess the, the uh, another thing is educate yourself so that you feel comfortable and knowledgeable on the issues um, and feel that you can communicate them. Um, so if you have those skills, great. If you don't have those skills, work, tr- try to work to get them. Um, and uh, certainly those relationships, as, as Matt mentioned. There yeah. are lots of tools, by the way, um, through the county conservation system and website and through um, what our CEO, Tom Hazleton, has put out. So if, if you feel like you're lacking in, in one of those areas or you need more information or you need some messaging ideas, um, and you can, of course, anybody could reach out to Matt or myself or, or Tom or, or uh, Chris or, or other people that um, have been involved in these things already. So, Yeah, and I think one that has been impactful for me in, in my time as director is, uh, is just trying to build and grow my network, um, getting involved in different organizations, um, you know, like I serve on boards with our, our local um, Chamber of Commerce organization. I'm on the um, tourism board. Um, I've served on the downtown uh, Main Street board. And those aren't necessarily conservation-related, but it ingrains me in with the local community, with the local business leaders, um, with the local community leaders. Um, and and that has paid dividends um, in, in just, you know, getting to know people within my community and, and not just them, but the, but the leaders within the community. And then that certainly, as we mentioned earlier, bridging that gap um, to make those connections either to legislators or to whoever uh, that, that has, has certainly uh, been a, a thing that's benefited me. Um, I mean, granted, I, I've got a fairly large network because I was born and raised here in this County anyway, but um, you know, you never know everybody and to get involved in those type of things. And I think it helps, kind of expand your street cred a little bit in that it it shows it puts you in a position as a community leader and, and therefore um you know your opinion carries a little bit more weight when you have those conversations um because it all comes back to what's the impact on this community uh not just on the conservation world but on this community because like you said that's what that's what these guys are going to the state for that's what they're running for office for um so that that would be i guess if i had to make a suggestion is just grow your network and, and be involved in your community. We, we don't, we can't just live in our silos all the time as much as some of us would like to, <laughs> but so, uh, before we wrap up any, uh, other tips, suggestions or, or requests of anybody that might listen to this in the future. Um, any, anything we haven't covered that, that we should. Um, one, one thing that we're fortunate, um, it's fortunate for us is that county conservation has had a seat at the table. Um, and by that I mean uh, when large um, state initiatives are, 
are looked at. Um, one example would be sustainable funding and what led to the trust fund. Um, there was only so many seats at the table on a committee that was going to delve into that, that topic. County conservation was immediately put on there. When the I Will Board is put together to, to work on projects, there's only so many people on that executive board, but, but county conservation is there. Uh, when there's initiative and a, a cry for people to take legislative action, um, there are certain groups that are looked at to spread the word, and county conservation is there. Um, so um, we are a respected, we are respected throughout the state of Iowa. Um, our our work and our, our thoughts matter, and uh, I think that gives us standing to to try to. Um, talk about things that benefit Iowans. And again, that's the main message. That's what we're all after is, is, um, is benefiting our, our citizens and our counties, but also benefiting uh, people across the state of Iowa. Yeah, Chris, I would just wrap up and saying thank you for, you know, doing this podcast and doing the work that you do on the legislative side. I, you know, I see a lot of stuff happening from you and, and appreciate that work and advocacy and, and Dan for the partnership we've had over the years. Um, I've enjoyed that process and the work that we've done together. Um, I would just say we're very fortunate in the fact that, you know, we're in a natural resource field, and, and most of the time it's pretty hard to argue with the things that our programs provide, you know, getting kids outside and wildlife, you know, fishing and outdoor activities and trails and all those sorts of things, parks. It's pretty hard to argue with things, those things on, on most days. Right now we're in kind of a, a bumpy road with the, the land acquisition piece, but hopefully that levels itself out here shortly and, and we'll continue to, to enjoy the fact that, you know, we get to manage natural resources for, for our living and don't have to uh, spend it down at the capital. <laughs> Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, reiterate the thanks for uh, Chris for, for taking this, this uh, initiative on to do a podcast. I think that's great. And, uh, and yes, you know, Matt and I have worked a long time on these things together and um, have built a great relationship in, in working on these issues. So, Yeah. And, but uh, we look forward to the next generation carrying the torch, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right? We always look yeah, forward exactly. to the, the cold refreshment after a battle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, either drowning in your tears or celebrating one way or the other. It's uh, <laughs> always good to get together after those things. and. And uh, guys, I, I can't thank you guys enough for all of the time and dedication you put into this over your years. Um, and I know that's just got to be massive amounts of work, and, and it's not exactly what we went into this line of work uh, to do, but uh, it is very important. And, um, you know, we uh, we do need to, for those of us that uh, are out there and, and the up-and-coming leaders within the world of conservation, um, we're the next ones in line to uh, to take you guys' place and carry that torch and, and be the voice for conservation and and move this, this state forward in terms of uh, outdoor recreation and natural resources. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to keep doing that. So, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and uh, looking forward to working with you as we get through this and future legislative sessions. Very good. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So, yeah, take care. All right. Talk to you soon. Uh -huh. Bye now. Bye-bye.